Years ago, there was a movie called Dances with Wolves. Maybe you're old enough to remember that movie. The movie takes place during the Civil War, and Kevin Costner's character develops a relationship with the Lakota Indians. And because they watch him interact with some wolves, they name him Dances with Wolves. Now, I remember it being a pretty good movie, um, but what it caused me to wonder is this. If people watched us and they named us after what they saw us do, what would they name you? I mean, they probably would call me Drinks Diet Coke. Or they might call you Yells at TV during Steelers games. Or your kids might call you Falls Asleep in the Recliner. What would people call you if they watched what you did and named you accordingly? It causes me to wonder if people really did identify us by two or three habits or two or three character traits, what would they mention? If you just ask people, what two or three things do you notice about me or know about me? What would they mention? We, we started last week a two-part series just called Grateful. And I think being grateful is something that's not very common. I honestly don't think that it's a character trait that many of us would have people point to in our lives, but it should be. So we're talking about what it means to be a grateful person. And last week we said that a grateful person is generous. And today we continue and really finish up the series by talking about the fact that grateful people are compassionate. Grateful people are compassionate. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we will see that his whole life seems to have been marked by compassion. I mean, it seemed to be a main character trait. I mean, one day Jesus saw a crowd of people coming towards him and Look at what it says. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Another time, Jesus was deciding to miraculously feed a crowd of people. But look at what he says. Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse along the way. <clears throat> Another time, Jesus is leaving the city of Jericho. And there were two blind men sitting there. It seemed to be the common place for them to sit. And um, the passage says, when they heard that Jesus was coming by, they began to cry out to him. And the passage also indicates that the crowd of people had stopped seeing the needs of these blind men. They had stopped seeing the needs and had started seeing these guys as irritations. Basically, these two guys couldn't see and the crowd couldn't see them. They were invisible. But look at Jesus' response Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. 
So we say, I'm a Christ follower. We say that I'm a Christian, and what we should mean by that, or what we mean by that, is that I'm trying to pattern my life after Jesus. I'm trying to become like Jesus, and trying to be like him means that Jesus always showed compassion, so I have to figure that out because Jesus was always just oozing compassion. And it's important because we live in a jaded and cynical and protective society where we're not necessarily given to compassion. But if I'm going to be like Jesus, one of the things that people should see in me, that they should notice about me, is compassion. It's compassion. Look at what it says in Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with... Let's just stop there a minute. Clothe yourself in the original language just simply means to wrap up in or to be consumed by. And it's not all that different from the physical clothes that you're wearing right now. Your clothes actually say something about you. They say something about you. Uh, it's not just being modest. It's not just that you wear clothes for protection. Your clothes are actually an extension of your personality. They say something about who you are. And Paul says to these people in Colossae, clothe yourself. Now, clothe yourself with what? What do you think he's going to say there? Well, maybe this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with Lululemon. Okay, maybe not. I mean, some of you are thinking that sounds pretty good. Others are like, what in the world is that? Maybe that's not what the verse says. Maybe, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with L.L. Bean. Maybe that's more your style. But Paul doesn't say either one of those things. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Oh, wow. Wrap yourself in. Be consumed by. Clothe yourself with compassion. I think we have lots of room to grow in that. I know I do. And so I started thinking about it. I've been pretty hard on people who drink Diet Pepsi instead of Diet Coke. And I was thinking maybe this message on compassion would be a good time to say something nice about Diet Pepsi drinkers. Still trying to think of something nice to say about <laughs> Diet Pepsi drinkers. Um, I'll let you know if I think of something or, you know, as Steeler fans, we should find something nice to say about Johnny O's team, the New England Patriots. <sighs> Maybe we could say, you know, red, white, and blue are really nice colors for uniforms. What do you think? Maybe that would work. I don't know. Black and gold's better, but still, let's try to be nice. Seriously, today... We want to all try to allow God to grow us in the area of compassion. So what is compassion? What is compassion? 
Well, compassion is the motivation to go out of your way, not just when it's convenient, to help the physical and mental and emotional pains of another person. In Latin, the word for compassion simply meant co-suffering. I kind of like that. Compassion is co-suffering. It is the desire to alleviate or to prevent the suffering of another person. Now, it's important to understand that compassion and sympathy are not the same thing. Compassion and sympathy are not the same things. They are different. Uh, They may start in the same place, but they're different. Does anybody else watch that show, This Is Us? Uh, Okay, you can admit it. I mean, Anyone else get choked up and maybe even cry a little bit at that show? I don't cry at much, but sometimes at that show, you know, I mean, when Jack ran back into that house, right? I sit and watch that show and my feelings go out to the characters. I get emotional, but it's not compassion. Maybe it's sympathy, My feelings go out to the characters and I mean I feel something for them and I feel bad but the only action I take when I'm done watching is to delete it from my DVR, you know, to switch to a different channel. And you see true compassion is more than a feeling, true compassion has a corresponding action. True compassion leads you and it leads me to do something with what we feel. And that's the difference between compassion and sympathy. Compassion always has a corresponding action. And today we want to give you a chance to grow and to stretch in the area of compassion by doing something that will make a huge difference. And before I get specific, let me give you some statistics. Right now, about 600 million children are living in extreme poverty. All around the world, 600 million children are living in extreme poverty. The definition of extreme poverty is anyone living on less than $2 per day. So right now, there are about 767 million people in the world that fit that category, and 600 million of them are children. Now, the next statistic should rip our hearts out. 18,000 kids die every day from poverty or poverty-related issues. You heard me right. 18,000 children die every day. Not every week, not every month, every day, 18,000 kids die from poverty and poverty-related issues. That means that there are 18,000 kids right now, today, who need something to eat or they need shelter or they need some medical attention and they won't get it. So today they will die. About 900 kids are going to die in the time that we're here in this room talking about it. Wow. Now, if you're like me, when you hear those numbers, you probably feel two different things. Probably you feel bad. I mean, you feel awful about it that... We still live in a world where that is happening. 
today. You feel bad about that. You feel awful about that. And the second thing you probably feel is overwhelmed. Just feel overwhelmed. I mean, you're like, that's really sad and that's really tragic, but what in the world can I possibly do about that? I mean, I'm only one person and we're only one church. How can we possibly make a difference when the numbers are that high, when there's numbers like that? And that overwhelmed feeling is something that the experts call psychic numbing. You just get so overwhelmed that you can't feel much because you're just that overwhelmed. And some of you are thinking, Pastor, we are not going to solve child poverty by hearing a sermon about it. And if you're thinking that, I want you to know it's true. You're absolutely right. We won't solve global extreme poverty today. But we can solve it for one kid. We can solve extreme poverty for one family. This is a fixable problem. Together as a church, we can fix extreme poverty for an entire village, an entire community. Together, we can make an incredible difference in one region of the world. And we have chosen to do that in the area where we funded uh, the start of a church in Brazil. Last week we talked about how we have sent $87,000 to build and start a church and child development center in Santa Rita, Brazil. And to do this, we're partnering with two organizations. Stadia is an organization that starts churches here and around the world. Their goal is for every child to have a church. And they have been great to work with on this project. Tony, are you here in the room? He's standing right back by the Christmas tree, and he's a friend of mine and a great guy, and uh, you can meet him afterwards. But uh, as I shared last week when we showed pictures of the building being built, this church will also serve as a child development or community center. And for that part of the project, we're working with Compassion International, and we have a representative here from them too, I think. Are you here in the room? Where are you? Oh, he stepped out. Okay, that's fine. But uh, we're working with them, and that's great. Compassion's mission is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And they do that through child sponsorship. And one of the things I love about Compassion International is that they do all of their child sponsorship through the local churches. So the church building that we have funded in Santa Rita will house the community center and child development center. And all of the kids in that community, whether they attend the church on the weekends or not, and their families will come to the church building to receive the care that they need. All the church and child development center, um, uh, at, I'm sorry, at the church and child development center, they will get the food that they need and education that they need and uh, tutoring that they need, medical attention and clean water and help with hygiene. And they will also learn about Jesus. They'll learn about Jesus. And you see, we could meet their physical needs all day long, but... If we don't meet their spiritual needs, their bellies might be full, but they'll still be empty in the most important way, in the uh, way that matters the most. And so their physical needs and their spiritual needs will be met in the building that we have paid to build and uh, through the church that we have helped to start. And all of this happens faster and better 
when we make sure that those children all have sponsors. And we are praying that during our services this week and during this season that you, the people of Impact, will sponsor all of the children that will be connected to the church in Santa Rita. That's about 235 kids. We're well on our way. What does sponsoring a child mean? Well, for $38 a month, the child gets the food that they need and education that they need and access to medical care. And Compassion has been around for about 65 years doing this. And they're a quality and reputable ministry. You can research them. You'll find their financials online. I think you'll be impressed as we were with the high level of integrity that you will see there. And you might be wondering, Pastor, what's your cut? What do you and impact get out of us sponsoring children? Well, I'll, I'll tell you honestly, my cut Zero. I don't get anything out of this, and neither does Impact. We're simply partnering with these two excellent organizations to make a difference in the lives of people who have real needs and need Jesus. And I believe in child sponsorship. In 2012, Jill and I began sponsoring our first sponsored child through another one of our supported missions. Her name is Lanchika, and I got to meet her on a trip to Haiti. She was four years old at the time. She will turn 12 on Christmas Eve this year, and we pray for her, and we send her gifts, and we get pictures back from her. In fact, a few years ago, Impact was raising funds for uh, some things, and uh, we raised more money than we actually needed, and uh, so uh, our church provided funds for three homes to be built for families in Haiti, and one of the homes was provided for Lenchika and her family. And that's great that our church did that. Well, Jill and I wanted to lead the way on what we're doing today. And so we have sponsored a child who will go to the church and the child development center that we're building in uh, Brazil. His name is Alanderson, and he's three years old. Look at the attitude on that face. I mean, isn't that something? He is a tough guy, I can tell. And... Uh, Compassion makes it really easy for us to do this and for us to communicate. You download their app, and uh, I can write a letter, which I've already done. I know it doesn't show on that screenshot, but I have. And uh, we can send birthday gifts or other gifts, which I did the other night. It's really easy. And I want you to know I trust compassion. And I'm a skeptic, but I trust this organization. I mean, like some of you, I imagine stock photos of the same kids pulled down off the internet and that the same pictures are in every church that's doing this. Or I pictured uh, when you write a letter, there's one woman alone in a room somewhere answering as if she's all the kids, you know. I, I've thought of that and so have you. But remember... I traveled to Brazil. I went to two of these churches and child development centers. I met the children. I visited in some of their homes. I, I trust this organization. So today, we want to give you a chance to sponsor a child, to make a difference in the life of one child. It's $38 a month. That's less than $9 a week. That's less than one meal out at a restaurant for most of us, and it will make a huge difference in the life of a child. Now, I'll be honest with you, there are some churches that just don't do what we're doing today. They don't do sponsorship. I was talking to a pastor not too long ago, and he says they don't do it because they're afraid people will get so excited about sponsoring kids that they won't uh, be giving to the church. 
Here's what I think about that. I think impact people are generous people. I think you're generous people, and we know that generosity is honored by God, and I really believe that impact people understand the importance of what God is trying to accomplish here, and they understand how important it is for them to support our local ministry here in the airport area as we let him love us and love others through us. I think that we all know the importance of supporting uh, this ministry. After all, your offerings here uh, to impact are what provide the community center that people use every day and that's drawing people to Jesus. It's your offerings that provide the growth groups you attend and the services you attend and our counseling ministry and our children's ministry and our student ministries and so much more. And your offerings to impact provide uh, our significant global outreach through our missions ministry, including funding the church plant in Santa, Santa Rita, Brazil. Now, I hope our past teaching has stuck with you and that you uh, still see it as part of your core commitment that the first gift that you give should be the 10% or more that you give uh, to obey God by giving to your church. And I really have been praying and, and I really don't think that this will take money away from impact, but it will just open our hearts to become more generous and that God will honor that. I also believe that God has enabled generosity to our church and he has enabled many to go beyond by making the decision uh, to make a huge impact on the life of a child. Here's what we know. $38 a month will absolutely revolutionize a child's life. It will transform a kid's life. It will give them food will give them education and access to medical care. It is the best $38 investment you're going to make because it will change a life. Listen to the story of how sponsorship changed a life. My father left us when I was only two years old. We found out that he had another family we had nothing to survive. He left my mom with nothing, so we were lacking food. I suffered pain. I had a stomachache. I got sick because I was lacking food. It's hard to explain using words what it feels to have no food. It affects you physical and also emotionally. I felt frustrated. I felt I was not worthy. I didn't feel love because my family was not providing me food. I felt without hope. We made a decision to sponsor Ju Lacey. Uh, Gail and I have lived fairly conservatively. We had the opportunity to buy a bigger house, build a bigger house, do those kinds of things. So we've taken some of those things that we might have desired and we've decided to say, hey, this is an opportunity for us to use those resources in a very practical way uh, to make room for one more child. 
I saw a light in my life. I received hope. I was living without hope. I thought I was good for nothing, but now at the Compassion Center, I felt loved and accepted. You take on a relationship as a mama and papa or a brother and sister, and they are learning how someone cares about them. Every time I receive a letter, I got very excited. Words are very powerful when you are living in poverty without hope. You can change someone's life through words. My life was changed because someone told me, I believe in you, I love you, and I know you will succeed in life. Julacy got married and Roger was able to give her away and got to see her life where she went to college. Um, it, it was amazing to be a part of her life and have her like a daughter, really. Oh my goodness, what a great opportunity. In that process, uh, that cemented our relationship forever. I mean, forever. My life was changed by a family that made room for one more, and that one more was me. My name is Gail. My name is Roger. And I made room for one more. Will you make room for one more? What a beautiful story of changed lives and it really is the story of more than one life that was changed, the lives of family members and others in the community, but also the lives of those who sponsored that sweet little girl. You know, my only regret about child sponsorship is that we didn't do it sooner, that we didn't do it while our kids were at home and could be part of it. And, uh, before Jill and I sponsored a child, if you would have said, Pastor, don't you care that 18,000 children die every day from preventable poverty-related causes? I would have said, of course we do. Of course we do. But you don't always know who to trust. I'm here to tell you that I believe that Compassion International can be trusted Here's what I love about Compassion. They have developed a tangible and trusted and time-tested way to put the compassion of Jesus into action in ways that really will make a difference, in ways that will change the lives of the kids that you sponsor, in ways that will change your life. You see, compassion isn't just a feeling. It isn't just feeling sorry for someone. Compassion is always an action. And if you grew up in church like I did, you probably mem memorized John 3.16. But do you know 1 John 3.16? Here's what 1 John 3.16 says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Love is defined in this passage as sacrifice. Love is what caused Jesus to sacrifice his life for us and as a result we are supposed to lay down our lives for others. 
How do we do that? What does that look like? Look at the next verse. If anyone has material possessions. Now push the pause button right there for a minute. This is not a debate. We have material possessions. Every one of us in this room has material possessions. I, I mean, even the poorest among us have material possessions. Our country has 3% of the children and 40% of the toys. 3% of the children and 40% of the toys. 85% of Americans have a two-car garage that they can't park both cars in because of the stuff. Some of you are looking pretty guilty right now. If you had to decide what to wear to church today, because you have more than one option, if you drove to church today, if you have, uh, or if you will have more than one meal today, and it's something other than a small cup of rice, you have material possessions. You do. So I think what he's about to say applies to all of us. Let's look back at the verse and let's assume this time that he's talking to us. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no compassion on them, has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? He's asking a very direct question. If a person has anything and they see someone in need and they don't have pity, they don't have compassion, if they aren't moved to action, how can they claim to have God's love in them? He isn't trying to guilt them. He's asking a really hard question because it matters. Not just to Lanchika, not just to Al Anderson, not just to the faces that you see all around our room today. It matters to you. It matters to who you are becoming. See, here's the problem with poverty. It's not a problem with God's provision. It's a problem with human distribution. God has always provided all of the resources that we need. Worldwide, he's provided all of the resources that we need. He's just hoping that some will encounter God's love and be willing to demonstrate God's love by distributing what God has blessed them with. And the passage we've been looking at in 1 John ends with these words in verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Hmm. He says, let's not just talk about loving, each, uh, loving people, let's really love them. Let's really love them with our actions. So today, that's my challenge, let's not just talk about it, let's do it. And that's the opportunity we have for you today. It really is one of our slogans, we want to let God love us and love others through us. 
And today, we want you to let God love someone else through you by distributing the blessings that he's given to you. Let me spend a few minutes telling you how this is going to happen. In a few minutes, we're going to invite you to partake of communion at one of the tables around the room. And we want you to remember Jesus. We want you to remember how much he loves you. And as you partake of the bread and the cup, you will remember that Jesus gave his all for you. He gave his all for you. He laid down his life to save you from your sin, to give you hope, to... uh, uh, Take away the punishment of your sin. And after we partake, you have the chance to give yourself to save someone else. We have the opportunity to give of ourselves to save someone from poverty and perhaps help them meet Jesus so that they can be saved from their sin. There are five different areas around the room. Please don't all come to the ones here at the front. That won't work. But uh, you can go take communion And you can leave your offering and your connect card in one of the boxes on the table. And as you partake of communion, will you just let God love you in that moment? Will you really experience the fact that Jesus' death on the cross is God loving you? It's forgiving you. And um, then I challenge you after you partake of communion to go to one of the stations with packets and choose a child. Just choose a child and then go back to your seat. Take the card out of the packet. Here's one of the packets. And take the card out. You can set aside most of the stuff that's in here. And I just want you to take this card right here and rip it off like this and get down to this smallest card. On one side, you're gonna fill out your contact information. On the other side, you can put your debit card or your credit card number on that and uh, you can fill that out and uh, choose to sponsor a child. As you leave today, there'll be people at the doors with baskets that you can deposit these cards in on your way out. Now, here's some cautions. Please do not leave the room with this packet with this card still in it and attached. Please do not leave the room with this entire packet. You've got to either leave the packet or leave this card. And here's why that's important. There's only one packet per child. There's only one packet per child. And you'll take it and you mean well. You mean to fill it out later. But two years from now, you'll find it under the seat of your car, you know, with half of an old rotten burrito on it. And uh, this child will have no sponsor. And that would be tragic. Now, if you forgot your credit card or your debit card, fill out the contact information on the other side. Just write, pay later, and Compassion will get it all done, and he'll email you a link, and you can set up your payment that way. So don't walk out the door with the packet with the card still attached. We have security people watching, and they will tackle you, and they will tase you, and that won't be any fun. Except maybe for our security people. They might, might have fun with that. Here's another caution. Please don't go kid shopping today. I mean, don't try to find the perfect kid. You know, the one with the same birth date as one of your kids or grandkids. Or the one with the same smile as your great grandma. Every child is a child of God. And every child that you see here needs a sponsor. 
And if you go up there and you go shopping, you know, you look at all the pictures on every packet, then the line gets backed up and someone who's still sitting down will think, you know, I really want to do this, but the line's just so long and maybe I won't do it. And then a child won't have a sponsor. A child will go hungry and you'll go directly to hell. Okay, maybe that's an exaggeration. Okay, it is an exaggeration, but please don't go kid shopping. Here's what I want you to do. Whatever child you walk up to, whatever packet you see first, assume that that is God's appointed child for you. That that's the one that God wants you to pick up and build a relationship with and consider whatever packet you see, God's leadership in your life. Pick up the packet, fill it out, tear it off, and turn it in. Now, some of you are thinking, you know what, I want to go get my kids because I want my kids to be involved in this. I want to let them do that. Please don't do that. We don't have time for you to do that, and our safety procedures won't allow that. Here's the thing. Your kids weren't present when their siblings, their brother or sister were conceived. They don't need to be here when you choose this child either. So I'm going to ask you to just forget about the kids that you have over at Impact Kids and just think about letting God love one of these kids through you and through your family. Now, if you have questions, we have people available from Compassion and Stadia. There's a table outside these doors, a table outside these doors. They'll be glad to answer any questions that you have, and you can do that before you choose to sponsor a child. There's some children out there on those tables, too. And now maybe you're thinking, I, I really want to do this. I really do, but you're struggling with the thought of $38 a month. For some of you, maybe that really is something that would be a struggle. Maybe you can join with someone else or couple of other people and sponsor a child together or maybe your growth group can go together and sponsor a child for many of you the question isn't do you have the ability to sponsor a child today the question is how many should you sponsor today how many should you I mean if you have four kids you may want to sponsor four children today Grandparents, you may want to sponsor one for each of your grandkids. I had someone come out uh, after the service and say, I now have a sponsored child for each of my kids and each of my grandkids. Way to go. What a great thing to do. Some of you are like me. You already sponsor kids. And you already saw, I decided to sponsor another. And then on Thursday night, the picture on the card that I ripped up, it was so cute that we sponsored that one too. Today I was a little smarter. This is one that Abby's going to sponsor. <laughs> but I'm really not sure we're done yet. Really not sure we're done yet. Today we as a church are going to actively fulfill one of our main purposes as a church. We are going to unleash compassion today in a very real way. A very real way. In Matthew 25, Jesus says something interesting. He says, truly, I tell you, whatever you do for one of the least of these, you do for me. Jesus says when we feed hungry people, when we help people who are in need, we're doing it for him. So look at the pictures on these packets. When you look in the face of that child... That's what Jesus looks like. 
You're doing that for Jesus. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you to just go to one of the tables and partake of the Lord's Supper. And then I'm going to ask you to let God love a child through you in a very tangible way today.